This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome, everyone. This is the Mind Sculptors. I am your host for today, Spleenface. We have a great show lined up for you all today. But before we get into it, I just want to thank you for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server, as well as some extra content, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash themindsculptors, or check out the link in the description. Today, we're going to be taking a look into Tournament EDH, uh, Marchesa 2022, and specifically the semi-final pod shared by both of our guests today. Uh, first up, we have Ian. How's it going, Ian? Hello. Nice to see everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And second, we have Charles, a.k.a. the Mono White Guy. How's it going? Uh, hey, Morgan. Uh, well. <laughs> I, I unlike Callahan, I don't play favorites and only call some of you my good friend. None of you are my good friends. Uh, <laughs> well, <thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> we are only your colleagues. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, I guess we can start by going over all three of our uh, Marchesa 2022 experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll go first because mine is the the shortest and saddest. Uh, I I ended uh, one three and one and did not make the cut for top sixteen after uh, the the other the other of the mono white guys Michael Levine uh, talked an entire pod into beating the crap out of me in my final <laughs> round. <laughs> it's so funny that you bring that up because I I I know Drake and Mikey on the the miscast have been talking about how like clout is is a, a thing in cedh and you and i are the two examples of people where i'm like yes and it's terrible it's a curse. people <laughs> it's a curse people know your name they're like they're freaking awesome i gotta kill the shit out of them it's like okay this literally is a logical please stop <laughs> so I, I yeah i played it he beat a he had a um sarah ascendant i played timna turn one and it was going after me i'm like okay reasonable and then he, because then he played a Dranith as his follow up, and then the blue farm player gilded Drake's the Dranith magistrate, and he kept going after me. I was like, really? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, not not here to rehash my experience. So, yeah. so Ian, yeah. trauma. I wish Michael. Ian, I wish Michael what, was uh, here. Actually, how did you do? Yeah. Uh, well, some jerk knocked me out of the top sixteen. That I didn't get to go to the top four. <laughs> Yeah, no. screw that guy. <laughs> no, but uh, it was... But, sorry. I was going to say... Oh, no, no. I was... Oh, yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, so I made top 16 uh, with Winoda. I went 3-2 day one, um, but felt pretty good about my performance, specifically the fact that my only losses in the tournament were to uh, a top 16 player, Charles, our top four player, spoilers, and uh, our undefeated champion, Quibido. So, you know, the fact that those are my three losses on the day felt, felt or in the tournament felt pretty good. <laughs> and Charles, how about, how about you? Well, I guess you didn't spoil uh, it, w- but... I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went I went 3-1-1 on uh, day one, and my only loss was actually to, like, 
my own play mistake. Uh, like I could have played Chalice of the Void for two and then sequence into Archon of Ameria. Uh, but I didn't want to give the guy who had Mystic Study extra cards to draw without really thinking it through and realizing, well, if I put Chalice on two... It doesn't matter what cards, cards he's drawing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I was so concerned about him just bouncing the the, the Chalice and winning the game, mm-hmm. completely forgetting about the fact that, well, if I play both Archon and Chalice, it's, it's very hard to yeah. actually do anything. Yeah. And in his hand... He had all two drops in his hand. So playing Chalice on two definitely would have been the right call. And <laughs> yeah. he proceeds to win on his turn with ISO Rev. Oof. And I was like, man, two drops everywhere. That's a lot of two drops. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and he does top deck the bounce spell to bounce uh, the Archon, which mm-hmm. was the only card that I played and not the Chalice. So again, another another really bad misplay. This player, by the way, is Cyrus from Mental... Uh, uh, misplay. So yep. you know, if you guys know him, shout outs to him. Really cool guy, great opponent. But yeah, definitely uh, an error on my part as a player. And the other three wins, uh, I won with at least uh, fifteen or twenty minutes left on the clock. So felt pretty good about playing a win conless stack deck and just actually winning the game <laughs> through good old traditional magic. Um, and, uh, there were quite a few rules violations from my opponents playing against me, but, uh, fortunately I was able to catch them in the act, uh, and, uh, get a judge to, you know, uh, stop them before there were any infractions issued. So I can say, you know, pretty assuredly that I did not win any game with anyone losing the game from an infraction. So that's also good. Now... Uh, man, I, I was just saying, like, I, I kind of wish Michael was here because I just realized, like, man, this wouldn't really be a model white guys episode without Michael Levine. Uh, and yeah. So if, if anyone's wondering why Michael isn't here, we were actually supposed to get Reed sick robot on here, mm-hmm. but he couldn't make it. And now it just like, you know, escaped my mind that we could have just gotten Michael here instead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. But yeah, but you got us three today, so there we go. Hopefully, we can we can do okay with just the three of us. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we can just jump into uh, the semifinal pod featuring both of you, which I, yeah. having been unfortunately knocked out the previous day, did have the pleasure to commentate. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, admittedly, towards the end, I, I may have run out of new and insightful things to say to, to, to some extent. But uh, <laughs> the, the combat flow every turn wasn't stimulating yeah. the whole time. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, man, Ian really needs to. Well, okay, I guess we can we can we can uh, we can give sort of a, a basic uh, summary of the game. And then maybe I yeah. can uh, I can ask some of the some of the questions um, or, uh, you know, while we give the summary. uh I'll, you know, point out things that that may lead to questions or points of discussions later. So I Mm -hmm. believe the turn order was, uh, Charles, you were going first, playing Mm -hmm. uh, your Mm -hmm. Heliod God of the Sun deck. Ian, you were going second with Winota. Uh, Cal from the Lab Maniacs was going third. Playing with power. Or, I'm sorry, Jesus, yes. Playing with power. (laughs) Apologies to both the Lab Maniacs and playing with power. Um, From playing with power, (laughs) going third, playing T. 
Teamer Pirates. And fourth was a player whose name I didn't catch who was playing. It's Alex. Alex, who was playing uh, Minsk Minsk. Hulk. So Mm -hmm. uh, it was definitely an interesting pod. uh, And, you know, the the classic for me, (laughs) the the classic commentator, you know, at the start of a pod, you go, who do you think's favored? And I was actually saying it seemed like there were a few different ways that it could go. Because obviously you two were going first playing stacks decks, but both of your opponents had decks that sort of in their own ways had some level of resilience to stacks. Yep. Um, so I was definitely wondering, you know, would uh, would Charles find a way to to you know answer particularly Mince Kulk, uh, which is something mm-hmm. that I think Winota struggles with because you don't want to stop people from cheating creatures into play when you're playing Winota. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. could you find a way to stop Mince Kulk, uh, you know, without forcing Ian to have to target you down? You know, like obviously if you play, say, Graf Digger's Cage or Containment Priest, right. then then Ian's got a pretty strong incentive to, to do something about that. Whereas if you play something like an Aven Mind Sensor, you know, maybe it's fine. Um, yeah. I can I definitely <laughs> win through an Aven Mind Sensor. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's for sure. That was sort of my, my initial impression. Um, and... Yeah, it, it didn't actually start too, too quickly. Uh, it seemed like everyone sort of kept maybe more measured hands. There weren't... Uh, Cal played a lot of mana, I believe, relatively early. Yes. But didn't seem to have a ton of action. Um, well, Cal would... So, had Cal's second turn happened, Sans Draneth Magistrate, which is the, the crippling piece there, I think Cal would have won that turn. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, be- I believe that's what we had talked about, yeah, or, he, or the turn after up. that. So yeah, he he so yeah. he did have a tinder wall. He had a tinder wall and a mana vault. Um, mm-hmm. it just it feels like it's you might struggle to activate though. I guess potentially Minsk Hulk didn't have blockers out at that point. Um, Minsk Hulk did not have blockers at that. No, they must have. I no, believe they uh, played a dork first turn. Uh, didn't so they? Alex's first play was uh was a dork yeah um, that's what i thought but but the i think it was a birds of paradise um mm-hmm. or birds of paradise came later but or or it was a uh noble hire no not i think no, it was not, Findhorn not, elves not, i'm not, pretty sure Findhorn elves yeah, yeah because yeah. it can't be noble or ignoble because he's naya um but, but malcolm could attack some, that turn yeah 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 and and the thing was is that uh from what i understood from other people from day one i did hear about the fact that malcolm can just win off of a tinder wall mm-hmm. and i need to be aware of that and uh yep. if you heard the audio i did mention that when cal played tinder wall i just told the pod like he can he can win with a tinder wall uh in play uh, and uh yeah i i just hit the the, the the turn two drain it so i guess yeah it, if i'm remembering correctly i think he had land uh mox diamond or chrome mox one of the two mm-hmm. man of all tinder wall so if he hit another land then he could do his combo without needing to connect if he missed his mm-hmm. turn two land drop i think he would have needed the glintorn to be able to connect in order to win right. but it, it's largely beside the Beside yeah. the point. Um, so, and not only that, Alex also had uh, a academy rector in hand. So, all <laughs> I was about to pop off with a note of not like win win per se, but like Cal immediately gets crippled by this drain. It's not being able to because Glenhorn once again in hand. 
Uh, and uh, Alex did not have another sack outlet for eventually when Mince came down, or Mince couldn't come down because of the Draneth. So, like, the the turn to Draneth on the play, absolutely just all three of the decks immediately hosed within seconds. Yeah. Like, it was, it, yeah, yeah, it was it, insane. It definitely sort of, <laughs> the game, everyone's sort of, you know, <laughs> strapped in for, okay, this. I guess this yeah. one's not getting, you know, ending too quickly. And I think it was, you know, maybe we'll discuss it later about, you know, it, did anyone in that pod feel confident in removing that Draneth Magistrate, knowing how how much it hoses, you know, the other decks at the table? Um, it's, yeah. is always like an interesting. It's an interesting thing with stacks right. pieces where it's like often there's someone who's going like, yes, I I don't want this in play, but you know, I don't want it in play less than that person over the there person. doesn't yeah, want yeah, it yeah. in play, like. Rule of Law is sure. annoying, you know, when I'm playing Hermit Druid, but it's certainly a lot more annoying for the person playing Rog Silas. Yeah, right. right. Um, so, yeah. I also, yeah, sure. it was one of those things where that whole time I was just like, you know, we'll, we'll cover this in more detail at some point. But like, basically, I had my war boss come down a little bit after that. And I was like, you know, as soon as I draw this removal spell, rip, uh, <laughs> I'm fine. But the other two players were like, really like, I mean. Minsk has no card advantage, right? And same thing for Malcolm without Malcolm, right? So, like, these players are both sitting there kind of, like, dawdling, and Charles is Charles is doing Charles, right? <laughs> uh, but I was just in there waiting, being like, I, you know, eventually, I, I was still feeling good at this point with the Draneth. I was like, yes, Draneth does stop my game plan. However, the two decks that present kind of a problem for me, because, uh, yeah, so I, I, I got this matchup on my phone the night beforehand, by the way, uh, and I was at Shaper's apartment, because... Shaper was nice enough to let me stay with him. And I literally look and I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> Shaper was like, what? What just happened? And I was like, all right, I'm going to read you this pod. And then you explain to me what happened. And he was, ah, I see. I see. <laughs> so very interestingly, I was talking with uh, with Reed, who uh, sick robot, who also was in the, the semis. And each one of those semifinal pods was like its own very oh, special form of cursed. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was yeah. like. It was. So, uh, sick robots pod was. It's like it's like Nick joking has uh, true to his name has a sick sense of humor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like the other pods. So one of them was uh, hermit druid. Two Thrasios Bruce decks and then another Hermit Druid. The, uh, the quad Thrasios there was pod, like, for sure. Yeah, there was like uh, um, a pod of four like you know, wheel, you know, wheel-based, like, slightly more Thief mid-rangey, decks. but still fast decks. And yeah. then, like, and then, you know, the pod of, like, all stacks and stacks buster decks was you guys. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was yeah. Uh, an interesting one. So, yeah, I guess we'll we'll run through sort of the, the, I guess, actually, maybe it makes sense to just stop and talk, you know, about discussion points as they come up rather than run through the whole game. Mm-hmm. So we already sure. talked about how impactful the Draneth was. Uh, yeah. Ian, you mentioned, you know, shortly after you landed your Legion War boss. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, at the time, you know, you didn't sort of know the direction the game that was going, the game, the game was going to go. But if I recall correctly, you played that Legion War boss off of Shatter Skull the Hammer Shatter Pass. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So that um, was an interesting yeah. one for me, knowing. That you don't have a ton of removal, mm-hmm. uh, especially given, you know, uh, you only have, I believe, two instants or sorceries that are removal spells. 
that can hit the Drannith. Um, um, yeah, the fair, Torpor of effects yeah. weren't down at the, the Torpor, time. No, no, so they, they weren't. Yes. They yeah, weren't. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. To be fair on Ian's part, he technically did draw removal. It just he drew the the, the <laughs> yeah. removal that didn't work. way after it was relevant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But but it definitely was an interesting. I mean, yeah. You know, it's an interesting. Is there ever a world where you hold that and try and? Uh, <laughs> so I think you know it's it's very easy to hindsight twenty twenty that one. But like for context, that was my third land. Um, I or my third mana source. I don't remember if I had played any rocks, but I knew that was my third mana source. Uh, I had no other lands in hand. Uh, and if you know the text on Shatter Skull, right? If I'm trying to kill Drannith, that is five mana I have to pump into this thing, and that's just it's like. <clears throat> Yeah, I did not know the game was going to last a calendar year. <laughs> I I knew I had uh, multiple other removal spells. And as I said, the Legion War Boss was imperative to me being able to know that if Dranith goes away, I, I hate to be like, I win this game. But I have a significant chance of winning this game if I just build my army right now. Uh, all right. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll say it for you. If Ian removes the Drath Magistrate, he wins this game. Does that make you feel better? I think, I, I, no. I think, I think there was one turn where uh, my co-commentator, Squirrel Mob, and I counted, um, and I was pretty sure that had you removed the Drath, oh, there was like twelve Winota, Winota triggers at one you, point. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one turn specifically where I counted where I went. <clears throat> I think he gets to see his entire deck if Winota wins now. <laughs> <laughs> I was unaware of that. That's hilarious. <laughs> like I was like I was doing the I math tri- and it was like, okay, you've got thirteen Winota triggers and I'm counting, <laughs> you know, twelve permanents in play and like some yeah. number in graveyard in hand. Like I think that's, that's the entire so deck. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, obviously uh <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. I figured, you know, at the time, if it's your only <clears throat> land in hand, getting that war boss yeah. down definitely uh makes a lot of sense but obviously yeah it's uh yeah when you look at the end of the game and you see it just like sitting there and like so it looks in my head like someone drew a little middle finger on it and i'm just like oh man what's up (laughs) yeah uh, because at a certain point squirrel squirrel mob went you know this was five or six turns later but squirrel mob goes well so ian really only has two outs to the drenith he's got a swords and he's got uh a shatter skull smash and it went like yeah, the problem with Shadow Skull Smashing is that it's currently in play as a Shadow Skull to Hammer Pass on on his yeah. board. Yeah, so I do I do also run Path, um, and do then okay. the amount of creatures that can also deal with uh, with that are not yeah. insignificant, but you know, most of those are draw on, them late. Uh, are on ETB yeah. effects, which uh, yeah wound up yeah. wound up not uh, not being so good so i guess the, the next i drew them right afterwards too that was the heartbreaker i like i got skyclave like right after torpor orb came down and then like later solitude was there as a flash three two <laughs> blocker <laughs> and then you're going like crater maker one time crater maker please um that yeah, doesn't do anything <laughs> well you can kill the torpor orb and then play oh the torpor orb, yeah. yeah 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 but then there's the hushwing griff yeah there at a certain point there were both but there was a there was a window where there was only one at play. but yeah. uh yeah. there was a hushwing griff and a hushbringer i believe all of them made an appearance um yes um, but yeah. uh all so, featured performers so the i guess the one the other sort of interesting thing that i think happened early was charles you landed a sarah ascendant and uh you know went to uh Clown town. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a more polite way of putting it than some, but um, oh, and you, doing Sarah sent things. Yeah, yeah, basically, you targeted down Cal 
first. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I, in my mind, it seemed like the, like, uh, Alex on Minsk might have actually been better positioned to, uh, to, you know, to win. Um, yeah. I guess there was sort of an interesting, uh, sequence obviously i don't know i think the biggest thing as a commentator is i don't know what's in your hand at what time so obviously mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. in short succession you wind up deploying a suppression field and then an even mind sensor and i went okay it makes a lot more sense that given that you yeah. have those yeah. Yeah. you're going after the person who might overload a psych rift did yes. you did yes. you have the suppression field and even mind sensor sort of more or less the whole time or was there more I of drew a risk? into the even minds okay. Yeah, I drew into the Aven Mind Sensor on Curve, so I had the Aven Mind Sensor when I could play the Aven Mind Sensor, and then I layered it with the Suppression Field, uh, because the Suppression Field actually uh, hurts the Glenhorn uh, activation mm-hmm. line, mm-hmm. Uh, and it also tampers with uh, certain sack effects. Like uh, A lot of the Minsk lines, I'm pretty sure, yes, like get really exactly. hurt by it. Yeah, I was talking to Alex about it, and he was like, the Suppression Field hurt a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went over this in the, the, the now infamous or famous, however you want to look at it, 42 tweets, where I explained why I did the attack the way that I did it was because uh, Alex could. Act, and once again, the audio is so important because like exactly what you said, Morgan, Ian also said the same thing when I started attacking Cal. He's like, this is really weird or suspect. And I was like, I'm going to He's like, I know I acknowledge that. I'm going to still make this attack, right? And I honestly, if you could just hear our audio, I feel like this is probably the most graceful way you could ever politic or pilot CEDH in this way of, I disagree with this attack. And it's like, I, I hear your disagreement. I'm going to move with it anyway. And I was like, okay, very well. No, right? <laughs> Noting. No, none, have, none of this. I have definitely started doing that lately with a, yeah. <laughs> with a, I accept this is what you're doing right now. I thoroughly disagree. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and and you move on from it, yeah, yeah, and 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 like, and and usually, word of advice for me is that when I do this and I hear and someone's like, I'm still doing anyway, it usually tells me it's like, okay, you got a plan. I need to now think about what that plan is, right? Yeah, that's Um, a very optimistic view. Okay. I wasn't well, gonna say it, but I yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I I don't I don't necessarily think that my opponents are stupid, right? Uh, maybe you guys do. I don't I don't usually. start out assuming that, but I've definitely <laughs> I've definitely encountered people who it's pretty clear that like they double down out of some form of contrarianism. Like they'll make mm, an attack okay. that isn't necessarily. It's not like oh, they thought it through and came to totally the wrong conclusion. They just sort of went like, oh, I'll attack like this person yeah. based on some, like, you know, you're picking between two decks that like definitely could be on Nas, but maybe they aren't, right? Mm-hmm. They attack me, mm-hmm. I go like, just so you know, like I'm not on Nas in this deck, like, and I'm not on Razaketh, you know, because <laughs> that's yeah. definitely yeah. one that everyone and, always and points so- out. It's like, I'm not on Nas, but you're on Razaketh. Like, okay, fine. I'm not on Nas, I'm not on Razaketh. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, next turn you're like, okay, so you're gonna hit the Nas player with the with the Crom, right? And they're like, yeah, I'll go at you again. Yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I assume people are stupid. It's more I assume people are more likely to be stubborn than <laughs> yeah <that's... laughs> than analytical. <laughs> oh, well, like 
for for me, this this still tells me a bit about like what their player pattern or behavior is like, and I can use that information to start leveraging certain sure. things. Uh, I mean, at least in Heliod, I'm running like Peacekeeper, Ghost Quarter, and Sphere Safety, and also Static Warp and Storage mm-hmm. Matrix. So I can definitely be like, okay, well, uh, if if I'm not able to dissuade my opponent from from doing this, I have to now sequence my stacks pieces differently to mm-hmm. change that course of direction, right? Uh, which is part of the design of Heliod, which mm-hmm. uh, like that's how it works. That's mm-hmm. What I think a stack, I think I had this conversation actually with someone in the r slash cdh discord of like sometimes you just gotta make your deck stupid proof, right? Right? Like people are going to, and I don't mean this to insult anyone's intelligence. It's just more the fact like if you are dealing with someone who is stubborn or obstinate, right? Uh, politics can only get you so far. You now have to leverage card pieces to really mm-hmm. like make that point home. I'm not the kind of person who likes negotiating or talking things through per se because uh, charisma is not necessarily my strongest suit. And so I am more tactical in approach. I play this game like chess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that being said, with that chess-like mindset or approach, I saw that Alex had a... Uh, this is like I'm assuming now turn five because I had to have been able to do this with, uh, or I might have had ancient tomb, so this would have been like turn four. I forget. Probably I did have an ancient tomb, so this was like turn four. Uh, Alex had a survival of the fittest out, and uh, he had the mana to be able to activate survival of the fittest through suppression field. Uh, and if you hear the audio, I before I even went to combat, this right play. main phase one, I asked him. Alex, you have three mana, correct? And Alex says, yes. And so I was like, okay. And then I deliberate for like five seconds and then I play Suppression Field, right? And uh, while Suppression Field is on the stack, Alex is like contemplating about whether or not uh, he should activate Survival now. And I told him, there doesn't seem to be any reason for you to do so because you're literally going through two other players and revealing information to them when you can activate it you have two cards in hand and unless if there's interaction in hand that you want to play by all means activate it right uh but it was by far the most like i I don't think you're a like schemey political player but that was the most schemey i've ever seen you by far because i was like because you can't like we were under a rule or eidolon so i was like yeah, you can't uh, cast either the Aven. Uh, yeah, yeah i Canon. couldn't cast it right and, and there was a really important reason why i wanted to do it that way because if i if i flashed an aven he can and he has a second creature because you look at the right, miscalist yeah, there's a yeah. there, there, there's quite a density of creatures and so yeah. he could just go for a second pitch so mm-hmm. this was actually the most optimal line of play yeah and uh <laughs> let's make him and, look like and, a goober <laughs> yeah and then, and then and then and then i attack cal and then yep. uh ian is like well that's pretty suspect and the reason why is because cal's life total literally i think he he dies in like two in 1.5 swings mm-hmm. right and i believe on your turn right you could have contributed to cal's death being 0.5 turns sooner but you actually decided not to attack absolutely uh, yeah 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 and, and, and it was the wise choice right because you're like this this attack the longer on they cal, live the longer i live yeah exactly. yeah yeah you're like this attack on cal is very suspect and i'm not going to contribute to this assault on my friend cal <laughs> <laughs> although I, I think i think we might be getting two points confused during the game because i don't think i called you out on attacking cal immediately i believe it was 
my surprise when you continued to focus him down. It was I, I was not aware that it was immediately like like there there are matchups where I will hit people's mm-hmm. life totals depending on like especially in Winota in an ad nausea mm-hmm. meta where you chunk out certain life totals. You're like okay, you're no longer the threat, or I have to latch onto you like a pit bull. And I was very surprised that Cal had immediately become your pit bull target. Now, oh, obviously, yeah. when we talked about it later in the game, it made a lot more sense. But it was definitely like of note the my just immediate like oh I didn't realize that we were latching on right now like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cal was there with the man of all just like Charles biting his ankle like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so and so and so yeah I, and so the idea of attacking Cal was that uh, I was making a statement mm-hmm. to Cal through the use of my cards not with my words of yeah. play a blocker or die right <laughs> and and if you if you play a blocker right then at the end of your turn right mm-hmm. uh the, the the optimal player action for Alex to make is to activate his survival. And this is when I flash an Avid Mind Sensor, which also would hurt your deck again, Cal, because if mm. you don't have Glenhorn in hand, you're going to have to tutor for Glenhorn. Right. And uh and again, you know, this will be problematic for you, but I don't want to incentivize you to counter it because you and and Alex can conspire to be like Hey, counter this Avian Mind Sensor so I can find an answer in dealing with his board. And Cal, being the blue player, can have these options of being like, hey, I want to counter this and I will interact with whatever shenanigans you might be up to on your turn mm-hmm. uh, if I have to. And I did not want to give him the luxury of doing that. Yeah. Right. Fortunately, on Cal's behalf, he 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 doesn't play anything. He just eats it. He just eats it. <laughs> and then yeah. and then and then and he still doesn't have anything for even mind sensor. But that was why I rationalized in attacking him was to mm-hmm. basically put him into like this ultimatum situation where if he does try to defend himself, I in him attempting to defend himself, I begin attacking uh, Alex from like an offshoot angle. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah, interestingly, I'm I'm a little surprised. Like you talked about, you know, the suppression fields um, coming down under the survival. Maybe maybe I'm not quite as familiar with Minsk uh, in particular. That surprises. It seems like quite a risky play to me, just because um, often in survival decks you are actually looking to activate more than once, right? So when you when you play that suppression field and take yourself off of the ability to play the Aven Mind Sensor, uh, it seems like possibly a risk that you know either if he well that if was he do, that was if he does gambit, have the right? two creatures yeah. the two creatures in hand. Um, then obviously, like, I mean, it's not great either way if he has two creatures in hand. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. Even if he only has one, there's still a chance that he wants to do something like, um, you know, discard something, find, you know, find something he wants in his graveyard, discard something else, find yeah. either like the Rector or find the uh, the Gargadon or, or or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think I think with most Hulk decks, it might have been a little more punishing. However, I think with the fact that suppression field absolutely just pants is the Kiki line. I think that's a that's a big part of it. But I guess if you go like, I don't well because he would have needed at least three activations to be like put Felidar in, put Kiki in, put Karmic in, and then get like Rex Age. You know what I mean? Or or get Hulk in some way. But I guess if there's there's probably a line there where you put Hulk in the graveyard or or something to reanimate it. But it's definitely a lot clunkier than like. Well, even if you just like rolls, even if you just bin, even if you just bin Kiki, and get Karmic, like that's already pretty spooky. In that, uh, 
And then, like, you can just keep pulling. I think for, he had something in his bin. For some reason, I think it was an Ewit. Because I remember discussing it with Squirrel Mob. Yeah, he did have an Ewit. So, like, you can just keep Ewitting yeah. back, like, whatever. And, you know. That's super keep, valid, keep, for sure. I mean, yeah. literally, worst case is even if the Mind Sensor comes down, you can still just keep Ewitting back your creature, yeeting it into the. Yeeting it into the uh, yeah, but I don't know mind if he, sensor and I don't know what turn Hushbringer he, came out. No, but, so like, what no, happened was I think yeah. he got hyper focused because when we talked about it post game, it mentioned mm-hmm. getting Gargadon at that point. Yeah, which yeah, Gargadon, didn't work in the suppression yeah. field anyways. Yeah, so I think that was kind of what had happened there was that the pivot hadn't happened mentally, and therefore it was like, oh yeah, I only need to get one thing anyways, and then Charles was able to. <laughs> Use his worm tongue voice to uh, <laughs> trick him into getting. <laughs> Look, I, I, from what I understand, Ian, this is also how you play too. You literally just tell them like this is the most optimal line of play, unless if you think otherwise, right? Yeah. And and if my opponent wants to be like, oh well, no, I'm going to play against this imaginary threat that could actually be an actual threat and do it anyway. At the end of the day, uh, it's still no uh, no skin off off my teeth because it's like yeah, uh, it's like okay, cool. Well, there's still this this suppression field regardless, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I'm going to flash in the Aven Mind Sensor then on Cal's turn if he tries right. to tutor for something, right? And so it gives it. And, and so I was actually quite serious. Like if you believe this is what you think you should be doing, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. do it anyway, right? Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I, maybe it is. It is interesting though, because I think had he not been hyperfixated, I think given that your most of your damage at that point is just coming from the Sarah Ascendant, um, mm-hmm. there's like literally a world where uh, you just pay for the Karmic Guide, and then you can keep making blockers with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like you can yeah. keep doing doing whatever. And I think actually, even under the suppression field, just the one Kiki activation, a turn engine <laughs> might have I, conceivably I have could have games have, with, have with fair Kiki yeah. many times for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously that didn't, that didn't wind up happening. He wound up waiting. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, quick, Je- quick side. Jedi Jedi mind during one of my games. Out, but. Yeah. <laughs> during one of my games in that, in the tournament, I did, uh, I got a mod catcher down. I got a, legion war boss with it and then the next turn i got a kiki and copied my legion war boss and which all individually triggered and my opponents were like oh this is this is how we die right and i was like it is it is very much how you die <laughs> and like no cards in that hand either anyways it's not um, but yeah so i guess that <laughs> i think i think this is sort of the point where it got around he tried to activate the survival you flashed in the Aven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then, not a lot happened for a very long time. Mm. <laughs> you successfully beat <laughs> Gal yes. to death. You successfully beat. I, I believe you immediately started sending the ascendant at Ian. Um, yes, and everything else and was that Alex. Ian, yeah. you had a giver of runes. Uh, yes, and then everything on the ground was going at Alex. When Alex died, it was around that time mm. you found your own even mind sensor. Um, yes. <laughs> which let you use the giver of runes to block at least the ascendant. Um, yeah. And then there were way too many turns. This was this was where my <laughs> skills as a commentator were, were sorely challenged because <clears throat> yeah. the, the play pattern was uh, Ian's turn, Legion Warboss trigger, suicided into Charles' board, sack it to Skirk Prospector so he doesn't mm-hmm. gain life. Uh, mm-hmm. Charles mm-hmm. attack with Heliod and Sarah Ascendant. 
Ian blocks the uh, blocks the Saracen with Mind Sensor, gives it pro white with the Giver of Runes, and then mm-hmm. uh, throws and one of his Heliod. like twelve yeah. goblins that he banked up under <laughs> Heliod. <laughs> it was like we were joking. You know, imagine being the goblin. It's like today it's your yeah, job yeah. to fight the god of the sun. <laughs> Go out, I'm sure you'll do great. Uh, all, all I'm hearing is like the Beatles song, Here Comes Here the comes Sun. Here comes the sun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Except for it's a, you, in a minor key and much yeah. more menacing. <laughs> are, you, are you telling the the, the, the the goblin little darling, Here Comes yeah. the Sun? Um, and, and so that goes on. The for, goblins are like, When's Winota coming? <laughs> <laughs> for like way way too many turns like, yeah it had to be like at least over 10 uh, i don't yeah <laughs> i I, th- I don't think it was quite the bad yeah, right. because- well i'm actually watching this video coverage now reviewing it by the way yeah um you know it was no i most- did i didn't i didn't have the ancient tomb but yeah yeah one of the most frustrating also, moments for the, me personally was drawing the Sarah Ascendant going, hell yeah, I have my own Sarah Ascendant. I'm going to turn this game around. And then Charles being like, that is a 1-1. One, one. And I was like, ah, right. The rest of the text on that card, it's not always a 1-6-6. Six, six. Ah. Um, yeah. Um, and I think that was also, it wasn't much too late either. Um, like if you yeah, oh, I could definitely could have turns earlier. Oh, that would have changed the entire game, right? Because then at mm-hmm. that point, Saracen can't swing in because I give my Saracen protection. Charles doesn't have a way to give his Saracen protection, which means mm-hmm. you can only swing in on Heliod, which can't go through a 6 6 Saracen. Always so. use protection kits. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Even if it costs two more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I just need to find a Limbala. I think I, there was a certain point in the game where uh, I could have shuffled my library because I definitely was getting flooded. Yeah. Uh, quite a lot and and i decided like no you know what i'll, I'll just be fine with this also yeah. i think there was a major misplay on my part where uh i activated uh weather wayfarer um too uh too early because i did mm. the ghost quarter thing and i then declared that i wasn't going to search my library yeah uh, and then i activated weather wayfarer honestly i did suspect that you had an avian mind sensor and i wanted to bait it out mm. uh and because if you you know flash an avid mind sensor which i did uh, at the time right yeah. yeah yeah if you flash an avid mind sensor i would then have information because i believe i did have a flyer that i didn't want to attack into your board mm-hmm. uh that wasn't saracendant and i didn't want it to to trade with avid mind sensor uh which might have been just my own avid mind sensor, i think it was actually. your sp- yeah. Yeah. Mind sensor, actually. yeah 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 and so and so it, it allowed me it gave me the information to declare my attacks differently right but honestly because and once again, the audio was just very important here. Because if mm-hmm. you actually heard the audio conversation between me and Ian, I literally asked him like for I think like two turns consecutively, you yeah. do not have a flying blocker. And Ian's like, No, I do not. <laughs> right. And yeah. and I just continue swinging at him. Yeah. Um and so if I waited for him to flash in the Avon Mind Sensor, which I, I had a like a, a premonition about, uh <laughs> I, then I would have been able to to do what I did with the ghost quarter, and then I just tutor yep. for Sarah Sanctum. Yep. Which I yeah. was proud of myself. I did not fall for the ghost quarter bait because it looked like mm-hmm. you were going to go search, and I was like, I could flash in Haven right now. I'm really good. And I was like, Nah, I think there's more I coming. Mean, and I was like, that oh, was, yeah, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> that was, was right. the other. That, that was the other feint right there too. I feel yeah. like it's a it's a relatively yeah. obvious bait because you're turning a ghost quarter and a planes into just a planes, which. Yeah, it's like what? 
why is this happening? Um, that that was my immediate thought of like, huh, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in- interestingly, I, I remember doing sort of some counting of essentially, I think Charles, you made it to three flyers, um, mm-hmm. Hushwing, Griff, Hushbringer, and Aven Mindsensor, sorry, plus the Ascendant. And we were talking that if you could make it to four, then you could actually, if you swung with all the flyers, um, basically the Ascendant would kill before Ian's protected mind sensor finished munching all of the other flyers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, cause, cause you can only block one of them. So, you know, if you swing right. with like your own mind sensor, your Hushbringer and whatever, let's say he blocks yeah. the mind sensor, he takes six, right? And then it's like, I also, yeah. you can only do that a certain started number. Started drawing. Yeah, I had Ornithopter and Ornithopter Paradise. Yes, yeah, also. and then and then you drew Ornithopter, and it was like, well, okay, now he needs another one. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, it was it was very risky to do. Mm-hmm. Like I did consider that, uh, but I considered it like to be too risky because c- mm-hmm. exactly kind of like what you said, like Goblin Crater Maker blows a Torpor Orb. There's a solitude. Yep. There's no hush wing griff anymore, and there's mm-hmm. no hush bringer because yep. they were foddered up to even mind sensor or something like that, or and, even something uh, as simple as like, he draws an ornithopter, and then you just did that play yeah, exactly. for nothing. Yeah, uh, for nothing. Yeah. exactly. And so, and I do, and so I do appreciate I how that. those games like the, the game had a unique opportunity in CDH because you really don't often get an opportunity to be like. Well, I guess in this current meta more so than ever before, but like combat damage and like actual factual combat math and the relevance of what to take when uh, suboptimal blocks, things like that. During that game, there were were many ways that I died five, ten turns earlier to Charles. And I was I was pretty proud of like and also Charles could have easily I I mean, the amount of times I have won games because people don't know that the defender always has the advantage in magic Mm -hmm. Uh, like you and I are both like experienced with multiple facets of magic in that sense. But I was like the amount of CDH players who like don't get to experience that angle. And that's what I kind of like about playing Winota and Heliad is that you do get to play sort of all facets. Like you get to play the stacks, you get to play the anti-combo stuff, but you also like attacking and blocking matters and, and knowing your combat math matters, knowing that when you're the aggressor, you have X, Y, and Z to worry about. Like it's a real thing. Yeah, it's definitely, mm-hmm. it's an interesting uh, facet that like, one of the things that I think happens, particularly when when Reed and I play, that like I I don't think I or almost never do I see other people doing this is like we'll attack two like when we're playing Thrasios Timna, you know, we'll attack and we have a bunch of extra mana, we'll attack two dorks into a Thrasios. Like understanding that wow. one of them's gonna get blocked, but the other one's gonna connect and get a Timna trigger and like drawing that you know, like like things like that yeah. or you know, like we are sort of thinking about like, are these creatures more useful, you know, mm-hmm. than it, a card draw, than yeah. a card draw, you know, maybe not how, you know, am I like actually looking to, to like yeah. trade these off? And yeah, there's definitely like some interesting, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of mm-hmm. times I see people make attacks where I'm like, I would snap double block, like, like, you know, you attack like a, a Timna into like Thrasios and a dork, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'd I'll trade a dork for a Timna. Real any worried day. about that. Any day. That getting double blocked. <laughs> and like, I think a lot of people yeah. don't, like, they're, they're not necessarily thinking about, like, how do I extract the maximum value from combat? Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> One of my favorite things during when we were all resigned to webcam was that exact scenario would come up when I was playing Dawnmaker all the time, and I would just two finger one on Thrasios, one on Dork, and just slide it up my playmat wordlessly, and it was one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. Just slide like <laughs> you've challenged me, and I am double blocking, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it happened with Najila, happened with Timna, like all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, playing playing more or less every week against Pongo on Najila also trains you to pay attention to combat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, yeah the last... Uh, oh, sorry, do you have something on that? Oh, uh, no, I was just going to add on, like, aside from just combat math and combat damage, I think there's a multiplayer layer to combat, like, kind of like what I explained earlier about, like, my attack on, on Callahan. Like, you can... Mm-hmm. And, and, and before that, where I talked about, you know, making your deck stupid-proof or something like that, is that... Cards can negotiate part of that political mm-hmm. discourse in in CDH, right. and 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 it, and it influences player decisions. Like your mm-hmm. and combat becomes like that chess piece. It is the invisible stacks piece, much like the comp RL rules are like the invisible stacks piece of the tournament. Uh, and we can talk right. about like how players can really screw themselves up because of comp RL. But uh, you know that, that that's a conversation we can easily segue from here. But but it is that this this aspect that like combat also influences player decisions life totals influence mm-hmm. player decisions and and so utilizing combat not only in the sense of like you know can i make this successful connection uh when is it you know mm-hmm. good for me to commit the, these many creatures onto the battlefield versus you know less of these creatures on the battlefield like i've had some really mm-hmm. you know like wonky plays that, that the people just kind of tilt their heads at like i don't know like i have a mother runes out and then i just give my creature protection and then just go in unblocked and they're like wait you're yep. not using your mom to protect your, your your hate bear and it's like i just do not think you have the resources to even kill my hate bear so i'm going to start <laughs> killing you right and because right. clearly we're, we're at an impasse and i'm just going yeah. to go into murder mode now right <laughs> Uh, it's I a really very, want a, it's, a black and white T-shirt of you normally, and then a second one that's like a dark version of you, just as Charles in murder Charles mode. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like mom, mom to defend, mom to murder. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, like, and, and if you look at the Heliod list, I'm not running mom or like giver mm-hmm. runes. I mean, I don't have enough creatures, honestly, to to run that uh, or to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, but yep. my but my point is like I've played other white decks before. Like if you look at Elish Norn, there are mobs in that. And this is another mm. thing that like I attribute to the fact of like you gotta really utilize everything about a card in a certain way. Uh in, because I think like people just fall in, or fall into the lull of like that type of heuristic of like mom is only ever there to protect, or like, you know, mm-hmm. uh Thrasios is only ever here to like, you know, make uh activate yeah. val- yeah, activate, and they never consider there's a one three body on the table mm-hmm. for for anything like double blocking or even like mm-hmm. uh, just attacking, etc. Yeah, and so I mean, like these things all yeah, matter. slight tangent. Yeah, like slight tangent on that. The amount of times people would be like, "Why are you playing Spring Leaf Drum in Thrasios decks?" And like, it's a it turns Thrasios into a mana dork. Like, it's consistent. <laughs> Two mana creature happens all the time. Like, I'm using Thrasios. I hate to tell you. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting just, you know, when you said Thrasios is like a 1-3 body, I definitely experienced a lot of, like, 
slightly frustrated and kind of surprised people when we were playtesting Cody. And they're like, oh, he's a 1-4. I, like, actually don't have anything <laughs> that attacks through a 1-4. People are like, oh, yeah, I have this, like, opposition agent or like hull breacher was legal at the time it was like yeah i could just it's like no this is a one four this that's how i feel like every time i amazing. play against prosper it's a one four with death yeah. touch and it is the most infuriating body because i'm like i want to like they're they're playing adnos i want to put pressure on these people and it's like no well if you do it you're gonna die yeah, you can't, it's like fuck you, you can, prosper you can't even attack with like two like three twos or two twos no, and have one exactly. of them go unblocked yeah it's uh yeah it's not a not a yeah. bad I've uh, um, I've piloted Prosper actually like uh, against yeah. my name I I I played with Prosper before and it is very formidable like I I've yeah. gone I think a couple games piloting Prosper and the 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 deck builders behind it Phoenix and uh, Gustav like uh, while we were while Phoenix and I were working on Al uh, the Dawn Sky we we with like five other people including Higher we were like talking about how relevant keyword soup becomes like it has death yep. touch it has vigilance it has haste right it has menace like we we can even talk about professional face beater like why does it have menace <laughs> right and <laughs> i don't want to go off on tangent i love that card so much yeah 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 but, so but good. i think people are going to forget <laughs> about this stuff right like is, but yeah it's, yeah it's, it's stupid it, it is it is stupid but like and, and, and there's so many videos for it done already that it kind of annoys me to no end of like yes i know this card is good do i want to watch a five minute video of you telling me that this card is good when i already know it's good i don't think so but <laughs> my point about it is <laughs> that a professional point beater <laughs> <laughs> yeah my and my yeah my, my my point about it is that like keywords do actually matter when it comes to combat yeah. and uh, and exactly kind of like what Ian says, usually some CDH games go so fast, you don't ever think mm -hmm. about it. Uh, yeah. But when you play stacks, these things actually do matter. The minutia yeah. of not only playing stacks pieces because <coughs> you know how certain combo works and mm -hmm. because you've read the primer and all that stuff and yep. you play you know stacks A, stacks B or whatever to stop mm -hmm. this particular combo line. When you now have to go into the the, the weeds of, of of combat with your Deathrite Shaman and yeah. your Dark Confidants, like mm -hmm. you're you're literally playing limited magic at that point, yep. and you have to now also know the like the actual fundamentals of that mm -hmm. aspect with the keyword abilities and things like that. Like you know you got you got Najila swing at me and I have a Thalia, two one first strike. It's so Great, funny because like I get this a lot when I uh, when people like start playing Winota a lot of the time mm -hmm. where people would be like, "Why are you on Thalia's Lancers?" Which for those who don't know, it's five mana four four with first strike that tutors any legendary permanent. Um, and for a while, it like only got Kiki, only got Thalia, uh, mm -hmm. two mana Thalia. And I was like, I <laughs> for a long time I was like, I, it's it's just good. Like you guys got to trust me. And like that is a big part of it. Was like, like. It, it's a tutor right so it immediately replaces itself and or if you hit it off one other trigger it does way better but also it's a 4-4 first strike <laughs> there are winota games one off the back of having a 4-4 first strike it is a real thing <laughs> the clock is very real the prosper right? we were talking about earlier yeah hey like 4-4 yeah. <laughs> first strikes looking pretty hot right about now <laughs> i mean wizards is very smart about statting their creatures um mm -hmm. this is something that, that, that i go into about like uh curving off in a deck yeah 
right? Where if you have the fast mana, you're basically playing a turn uh, faster than other players. Yeah. Uh, and certain cards in WotC are designed to be like pushed in a certain way. Like you look at Deafening Silence, right? Uh, you don't need to ramp into a Deafening Silence. Uh, and and there are certain cards that 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 basically counterplay the amount of resources that you play to get into that faster turn. Right. Uh, creatures are also designed a similar way, right? Like at three mana, what can you expect? Like a professional face beater is a three mana for a two three. Uh, this is actually quite unusual for red to have a bigger butt than it has a bigger face. Mm. Uh, and uh, but but the but the menace actually helps it out too because the extra toughness allows it to potentially survive double blocks because if it was a 3-2, you just throw up two mana dorps to it and it just dies very easily. Right. Uh, these these stats, these numbers, then become very important when you get into the nitty-gritties of it because then when you come face-to-face with an actual professional face beater, you realize, like, damn, I can't just double block with two mana dorks. I, like, if I really mm. want to kill this thing, I need to triple block and I do not have enough resources to triple block because that's three cards now, Right. Yeah, for sure. It's truth. So I guess, yeah. Um, the last part part of the game that I sort of had questions about was, Charles, I believe you landed your Luminarch Ascension, which uh, threatened to actually end the game <laughs> pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I could have I made a, like a bunch of angels, I know. Uh, I think at that point... Uh, uh, I got really sloppy and was just like, well, you know, I, we, we, we've gone to this song and song and dance already of me making clerics. I might as well just make more clerics. And then yeah. uh, once again, if you heard the audio, you, you could hear me saying like, I don't need to play this, but I'm just going to do it for the style points now and just play Katilda to say that like, hey, look at yeah. all these enchantments I got. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I could have made the angels. Yeah. And then and then Ian, you played uh goblin rabble master yeah mm-hmm. uh and then yep. i guess the the that was the the last sort of question mark for me was you made a big like you didn't get rid of your goblin rabble master before combat and so you attacked with all of your saved up goblins yeah yeah in my head i was it was kind of one of those things where i was like uh I had sort of mentally acuted to like I I I'm gonna lose to this Luminarch Ascension anyways. Uh, unfortunately, like Luminarch Ascension signified the end of my ability to stall. So in my head, I was like, a desperation time. Like I've got to make something happen. I have this <clears throat> Rabble Master. Maybe I can push some pressure and force Charles to make a mistake. Um, which unfortunately was my out at the time. Right? Like I I know Charles is a very smart player, but like like. There are many times in games when you're in a bad position and force my opponent to make a mistake is uh, a legitimate strategy. Um, yeah, I and that's kind of and that's kind of where I was at. Uh, it wasn't pretty. I didn't like being there. <laughs> I didn't want to be in that position, but it was kind of one of those things where it was like I could drag this out. I could drag this out. I could drag this out and then die to a Luminar extension. The optimal play was probably to wait two more turns until I had to not let him get the counter on there. Um, so like. From that perspective, yeah, absolute mistake. I also, I, I, I will credit a, a bit of that to mental fatigue at the time too, where I, I was just like, something's got to happen. Yeah, like, no, I, I, I want to make Charles make a mistake. Like I, 
I, I need something to happen here in this game. Like maybe he messes up just a little bit, just a smidgen. I just need him to have a tiny error. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> and it wasn't the right move. I definitely sympathize with. Uh, it. Sometimes when you're playing a game like that, it feels a little bit like you know the scene in a movie where like one person's on top of the other trying to bring the knife down and the yeah. other person's desperately <laughs> like holding it off and you know that that can only last so long something yeah, has to happen it's so true one way or the other i also was like <laughs> it's the uh it's the the muffin meme where it's like why would you let me die like it's very much at that point of the game <laughs> uh, although I, I will say you know you said fatigue after after a long game i will commend you and i i made a point to rebuke some of the people in chat who were going like oh this game's been going on forever i was like this game's been going on for one hour that's how long they've been playing yeah it's been 15 turns and they're playing extremely quickly, and we should all appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I will always, and, and Charles, you you have much of my respect for this, because Heliad is not an easy deck to do under 75 minutes, and you had a single draw day one. Like, I, I shouted you out in my top yeah. four video for this, too. Like, you're a very quick stacks player, and I think if you see the way I play my stacks decks as well, like, it, people, I think, especially if you if you come from a stacks perspective, you know you have no time to fuck around. <laughs> you're like, you have to play these spells, because oh people God. are going to be like, uh, oh, I get one spell at maybe this one you're like please yeah. please somehow please. I, think, I, I think i think honestly i think i intimidated some of my opponents because uh there was this warning that libby the the, the head judge gave about like slow play and all and that if you're caught yeah. slow playing you will not have a turn when it goes to time and yeah. uh and, and and that we can liberally call for it and i did make a post of being like you know the the forty one tweet thread where I literally will say I will not hesitate to call a judge for slow playing, absolutely, and all, yeah. uh, because it, it is definitely well within uh like the the right and also the integrity of the game to just get that 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 ball rolling and I, and I, I did give a fair warning to everyone like you gotta be ready to be prepared to play your deck and I think that like some people might have I I don't think my opponents knew me. Right? Except for that one guy who's like, you're the mono white guy or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think like for most people, they just knew me as like, oh, it's just this random guy and he's playing yeah. the other Heliod. This is kind of weird or whatever. Yep. And they, they, they were unfamiliar of my declaration of war on the tournament or anything like that. Uh, and so, but but I think they were intimidated by what Libby, the head judge, had said. because And then seeing me look at the clock every time they like, pontificate on their turns mm -hmm. for too long because they would be thinking and i wouldn't say anything but then i but then they see like my head move to the time and it's not an intimidation tactic it was literally me thinking like how much time do i have left to squeeze out a win in this game right and yeah yeah i was <laughs> I really fast during games my, my favorite sentence is yeah sorry you're good oh no no no, no. go go ahead oh i was gonna say one of my favorite sentences is uh like sorry but i am gonna need you to take a game action right now like like apologize first like i don't want to be that guy you need to do something like we we do not have time for this i didn't, I, I didn't yeah. wind up having to make any judge calls for slow play i did have to yell at reed though that's yeah, that's fine so, it's really so he, no so what happened was he went to so the the pod was uh me playing sacred hermit reed playing sacred hermit yeah uh an Urza player and a Jamaican dude playing 
thrashes Tim now Hulk. Uh, so yeah. the the Urza player played a pithing needle naming Thrasios. Uh, oh, I heard about this. <laughs> uh, so so it was uh, quite quite the long game, but uh, basically what happened was. Uh, Re went to do something, and the Urza player like immediately picked up his hand and went to counter it. And I think he did wind up countering it. Um, but then Reed basically wanted to say like, "Hey," because I was kind of ahead because I literally I was ahead off the back of a Narcamoeba, um that was giving me a Tim Hot. a Tim to trigger like unironically that, that Narcomoeba. No, yeah, I've I've been there. Before. Came very close to winning <laughs> me that game, um, and. Uh, and he was like, you have to, you know, he's ahead. You have to, you know, wait and let him be the one who does the interaction. Uh, you know, if you just immediately react to stuff I do, then like he's still accumulating resources. But he's giving him this lecture while the Urza player's ponder is on the stack. And I'm like, please, there's like 15 minutes left in the round. Like, let him, let him resolve his ponder. Pass, pass the Jamaican dude who can start taking his turn while you explain to him. Yeah, then go on the tirade here. That's so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would like to uh, move time. Uh, go ahead, sure. Um, it actually wound up that uh, I'm not sure if it exactly would have happened, but... Uh, Time was called like just before my turn, and I think if I had another turn coming, I would have actually wound up winning. But because uh, I had to go for it like a turn early, yeah, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> just, just like just enough time for me to pontificate you out of the game. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it, it, it would have had it worked. It would have been the sickest play ever. Which is, but uh, unfortunately, Jamaican dude out sandbagged me on a fluster storm. Basically, my plan was mm-hmm. spend all of my interaction fighting to remove his opposition agent, fail, and then finale for 10 and just flunge. Flunge? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like, I like that. Full but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, there was a single fluster storm left. Big rips, yeah. big rips. Uh, but, uh... So, yeah, go I, ahead. I'm, I'm gonna say, like, uh... So earlier about like in regards to time, the one time I did draw, uh, I it was actually while I was playing against a friend of mine in the DC area. And honestly, like looking back at that match, I just should have told him to hurry up. I should have been like even more <laughs> cool on him because he is naturally a slow player, and it actually aggravated me. Yeah. Uh, to see him like pondering his hand, and I was like, you like. There, there, there are some players that then like more lean on, but like for him, like I actually played games with him, and I was like, dude, you should have been prepared for this. What the hell are you doing mm-hmm. right now? <laughs> In the back of my mind, uh, but I didn't actually yeah. call the judge on him. Uh, and regardless, uh, the opponent that I was playing, this this was actually more of a one v one game because it was Kess mm-hmm. and Tassiger, and both the Kess and Tassiger player were just out of commission. Like their resources were completely yeah. gone. Like. Uh, the cast player was just so hosed. Like they had a bunch of lands, and uh, their graveyard is like kind of locked away. Uh, not like rest in peace, like exiled, but like <clears throat> there wasn't a real way that they could access it. And uh, uh, they had a lion's eye diamond and one card in hand, and uh, mm. and I had a chalice of the void uh, x equals zero. Uh, it was really just between me and the Shorakai player. Uh, who's piloted by Diggles, if anyone knows him. He's a really cool guy, uh, really great pilot. By big, my big Diggles fan. Yeah. yeah, and Diggles 
uh, just kind of held down the fort very well. And there was a point where if Diggles had made the incorrect play, I, I probably would have won that match as well because uh, he didn't counter my Graft Digger's Cage, which I kind of hoped he did. But he just kind of assumed that like, oh, I need the Graft Digger's Cage to stop both Kess and Tassiger. When I was mm-hmm. like, you know, there's quite like like the Tasker player was just so out of commission and the and the the, the LED loop kind of just gets stopped by the Chalice on zero. So like I was actually yeah. hoping that he would spend his counter spell on the Graft Diggers because I had an Armageddon in hand. Uh yeah. and and that would have just basically put all three players out of commission and uh I had I think a ten ten Michiko in play that um would have just started swinging for lethal to all the other players not bad <laughs> yeah um. yeah it's uh <laughs> it's interesting you know you, you know people who contemplate their actions i think nothing aggra- aggravates me more when i'm playing a stack stack and someone spends like you know they spend a while thinking over their action they spend like two minutes and then they go like all right, I'll cast, you know, whatever it is, like Demonic Tutor. They go to pick up your deck and you're like, top four, there's a Mind Sensor out. Like, or or something like that where, like, it so clearly demonstrates that, like, they didn't even fully consider the entire board state, you know? Or, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they spend two minutes thinking about what they're going to do and then try and do something, like, either illegal or, like, that clearly doesn't work the way they expected and you're like, Please. <laughs> the amount of times I see players go to cast something and I'm like, it's a rule of law. Wait, is, did you really think all that time? Yeah. There's the funny one of, and, and, I, and I don't blame anyone for this. Uh, Spirit of the Labyrinth and Eidolon Rhetoric have a very similar oh. color tone in art. And so yeah, you see a player. It's deli- so frustrating. Yeah, you see, a, <laughs> they don't even have the same power, toughness stats, or even the same mana values. They just look at the. They're just. Yeah. It looks so similar. Just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. That's what people look at, though. Honestly, yeah. most of the time people are looking at the arts. That's why people are so harsh on altars. And exactly. Like that, yeah. Callahan would, would be like, you know, probably throw in a giant banner as you're talking about altars <laughs> and be like, this is why judges hate altars or whatever. And, yeah. and I, I will definitely say it's a problem that's exacerbated when you're trying to keep track of four board states. And mm-hmm. speaking, uh, yeah, speaking of punting into stacks, uh, Spellseeker is a May. I have to throw that one out there. Opposition agent. Would you like to give me a card? Oh, why? 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 Sure. Why don't I? <laughs> yeah. But just you're trying to keep track of four board states, but also like Compared to most decks in most formats, there are a lot more, like, static effects that wind up in play per player in an an EDH game. Unless you're playing, like, like obviously if you're playing, you know, Death and Taxes or something, then, like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of static effects in play. But a lot of, of, you know, matches of Modern, for example, there are, like, zero meaningful static effects in play throughout the entire, uh, the entire game. And so, like, yeah. yeah, when you get now, there's like four people playing a completely different set of things. And like, I remember there was one game, there was a rest in peace out. It was a graphics cage and a rest in peace out. And I was doing something with my graveyard, and I was like, well, I'm not doing anything with my graveyard because there's a, you know, the the graphics cage came out first. I'm like, that stops me. And then the rest in peace came out. I'm like, well, I don't even have a graveyard anymore, so I <laughs> the graveyard doesn't work. And then finally the rest in peace goes away 
and I like immediately go to cast something from the graveyard. It's like, ah, there's a Grafdigger's cage. I was like, right. I completely forgot about that because like it was irrelevant until all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this is this is really interesting to hear from because I mostly play stacks. This never comes up in my mind because I'm usually like cognizant of multiple layers of stacks pieces. So uh, you know that happens. Um, but but uh, there's also like the issue of like sometimes there are certain interactions that players because I think like here's an example uh, of a practice game or just a casual CDH game or just like. You know what I mean when I say casual CDH game. We're just playing yeah, yeah, without yeah. like the tournament context or anything. It was me, Phoenix, and Callahan, and uh, I forget who else. But Callahan uh, tries to uh, play Pattern of Rebirth on uh, on a creature that they controlled, and uh, they sacrifice the creature, and uh, it almost picks up their library and. Phoenix and I both tell them, well, it doesn't do anything because there's a Hushbringer out, right? And I think, like, mm. that runs kind of counterintuitive to some people because oftentimes they associate death triggers on the creature itself and not on some aura that also has a death trigger that triggers when a creature dies. Um, or, or you're like me and go, oh, yeah, that card shuts off ETBs and then completely forget about the second half of that card. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I think Callahan yeah. already knew about the second half of the card. I, they mm-hmm. just didn't make that mental connection of the fact that yeah. the aura will trigger on the creature dying and there's an effect that prevents yeah. those things from happening. Uh, Turns out magic's hard. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, because it, it, it's even more intuitive if you had like an enchantment like a non-aura enchantment that says when a creature dies do yeah. do x and and if if it was as clear as that callahan probably wouldn't be like oh, i'm going to sacrifice my creature but because right. it's an aura it's just it doesn't actually make sense there are certain like mental associations that people make with certain stacks pieces that sometimes mm-hmm. does not pair correctly to what the stacks effect actually does yes. um another example that i could think of is actually like lean and arbiter um they look at the effect and they're like okay cool pay two to search right and uh i had a player cast like solve the equation and we all pass priority and then they're like okay i'm going to pay two to search and it's like doesn't work that way. You had to pay two when you had priority. Since we all pass priority now, you're you're now your spells resolving, and you're going to search, but you can't because you didn't pay two. And, in fairness, uh, in fairness to them, Leon and Arbiter is an extremely wonky effect in a lot of ways. Yeah, we <laughs> Charles and I had this exact conversation in Seattle, where I was like, to be fair to them, that is a stupid way to <laughs> this card works. Uh, <laughs> well, I get it, but at the same time. It sucks. It, it, it actually, <laughs> it's, very it, it's actually templated in multiple cards, uh, particularly suspend, uh, which also gives a player a special player action that they can perform. Uh, and it's just that like it's not very obvious, and it's particularly suspend. It's extremely intuitive. Yeah, yeah particularly yeah. with suspend. Actually, if anyone's listening at this point in this podcast, uh, look up the comprehensive ruling of suspend, and you're just going to ask yourself, like, this is the dumbest reminder text I've ever seen on a magic card, uh, because it's not—it's almost nothing like what the reminder text actually says. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, yeah. if you play delay <clears throat> on someone's Elishnorn, 
right? Elstorm gets delayed for three turns. Elstorm comes back and she has haste. Like on the on the reminder text, it just says this creature has haste, right? And so you presume that she has haste indefinitely until she gets blinked or something like that, right? And so on. Yeah. And so you play Gilded Drake. You gain control of Elishnorn, and presumably she still has haste, and you swing with it. That's actually not <laughs> what's a, what what it means to suspend. Suspend says the creature has haste as long as you control the creature. Uh, if you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until you lose control of the spell or the permanent it becomes. Yeah. So, by the what way, the if you if you if you somehow like uh, there's 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 that blue spell where you gain control of of target spell, right? And so yes, that yeah. also removes the haste from it as well. So so th- hey, yeah. What is magic? The the other I also like you cannot. There was the one that came up during uh, the MLC last year, which is that you can't cast a you can't, can't suspend, suspend something card. if you've cast a spell under yeah. rule of law if you've cast a spell this yeah. turn because the wording on so, suspend you can just, yeah. yeah the wording on the actual because it doesn't really clarify this in the reminder text but in the actual mm-hmm. comprehensive rules they have this very specific clause right at the beginning of suspend is if you can actually cast a spell right then you mm-hmm. can suspend <laughs> if you and could so, begin to cast this card by putting it onto the stack from your hand yeah. Is the exact wording. I, I remember I tuned into the stream and like I just I looked at it and I was like, there's no way that this like Rebel was in the middle of suspending it. I was like, there's no way she's allowed to suspend this right now. Like mm-hmm. I, I I came in in the post combat main phase because I was like, given all the stuff that's on this board and how it's like turn three there's a 0% chance that there wasn't a creature or a spell cast like main one, which I believe was the Timna that like she cast Timna went to combat and then went to suspend. And I was like, "Mm." and believe it or not, like suspend as a player action is not, I mean, it's, it's it's uncommon, but it's not like far fetched in the world of CDH. Like literally we were just talking about Alex, the Minsk player getting greater Gargadon, which has suspend right and uh imagine a scenario where i have rule of law and and alex plays a card and then suspends greater gargadon and i'm just like judge <laughs> uh i mean it's it, it's very dumb but like there are other cards like these any like ghostly prison is another example for it where again there's a special player action that 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 the that, that's different than what you normally think about because it's not activated ability it's not triggered ability it's just a continuous effect that gives a player an extra like game action that they can do that's outside of just activating abilities. Uh, and mm-hmm. like as players, you should like when you see a card like that, you should actually think about like, hey, this is actually really weird because it's not an activated ability, but it's giving me an ability to do something. And you should immediately question the actual rules logistics of this card. Um, like because I think that for a lot of Magic players, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just an extra rule that I can play with. No, I actually think about how you can actually, like, like, like how this actually technically works for you. Because, like, the whole lean and arbiter priority passing thing, that was something that I just felt like if you didn't know, you should have known. And if you, and if you saw that and didn't see that there was a colon in it anywhere and it's not activated ability, then it goes beyond, like... The, the, the traditional understanding of how abilities work and you sh- and if you're not prepared to comfortably play with that you should just call a judge and explain about and have it be explained to you 
Uh, and speaking about pontificating things um, for too long and then doing something really stupid, uh, I, I have like this 43 tweet thread <laughs> where I actually explain uh, about in a Star City Games with, uh, do you guys know Seth Manfield? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a there's a game with Phil Gallagher and Seth Manfield. Uh, Phil Gallagher is a Death and Taxes player that uh, that I know. We went to the same college and everything. Um, and uh, this is like an old game, but I remember it from like one of Phil's stories. Uh, you, if you guys know this card, Council's Judgment. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's there's a famous game that you can look up, and I think you just type in like Star City Games Legacy. Phil Gallagher versus Seth Manfield, uh, and it's like a featured match. Uh, Phil Gallagher plays Council's Judgment, uh, and Seth Manfield has a True Name Nemesis and Umazawa's Jute. And I actually like went back to this video to like see the uh, the timestamp on this because uh, I, I recall this specific one uh, in my conversation with Hire about like players like not even with stacks in play, players can just really get blindsided by this seth manfield takes four minutes to deliberate on the resolution of council's judgment uh because he didn't know what the card did and then after getting the judge over to explain the card seth still votes for another card other than the card that phil named and so (laughs) phil names true name nemesis and then seth names his own umazawa's jite uh thinking that it would get rid of phil's umazawa's jite (laughs) Uh, so, believe it or not, even without stacks pieces, players will still s- screw this up. Uh, even and this is no discredit to Seth because he's a really great player, but it really gets you to like realize like how complicated a game of Magic is and how confusing white cards are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, is there anything more you guys want to say about specifically Marchesa or uh, you know maybe? talking about tournament play you know in general uh before we before we move to wrap things up um marchesa was really awesome and i'm glad that it has uh officially become a irl tournament series uh it is very professionally run and more so every single time so i'm appreciating that uh, the CDH format has really sort of had a glow up over the past uh, pandemic, basically from, or no, I guess it was it was starting to happen pre-pandemic, but I mean from, you know, DDM being a big deal with like sixty something players to Marchesa being cut off at a hundred people and Tier One Con over the summer and uh, all of the online tournaments that are insane and there was some, uh, I think there was a. There was a South American tournament that had 130-something participants. Uh, Chaos of the Nexus, which was a a recently thrown-together event, had 130 people on it. So, like, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hype and tournaments and MLC and all that stuff happening for CDH, and it's just a good thing in general. So I'm I'm really happy to to see the format becoming more popular and evolving and and becoming a real place for tournaments. But honestly, is it a real CDH tournament if there aren't problems with Spellbox? Or not Spellbot, uh, Squirebot. <laughs> if if it's part of the if experience, doesn't, <laughs> if Cockatrice doesn't crash three times during your tournament, is it even really a tournament? <laughs> oh yeah, because apparently someone named their deck with like what too many characters or something, and it screwed up. Uh, 
I had too many creatures in my deck (laughs) for Winota, (laughs) which is why Joking pinged me at uh, 1 a.m. the day before the tournament going, I need your deck ASAP. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I didn't even like put it together. And he was like, yeah, dude, you had 52 creatures. That's too many for a Squire bot. (laughs) I I find it so funny, all those creatures, and you couldn't (laughs) stop an army of clerics. <laughs> uh, you know, they're all one ones, man. <laughs> I <have to> tell you. <laughs> Why does Philion make two one clerics? This is just so random. I just uh, <laughs> at uh, at Chaos at the Nexus, they went like, okay, dropping causes a lot of problems, so you're not allowed to drop. You're only allowed to like request that we drop you, uh, and. <laughs> If you leave the server before we drop you, we can't drop you. And so, as an incentive, I'm going to ban anyone from future tournaments. <laughs> because, oh like, once God. they left the server, you can't, like, at them on Discord to get yeah, the correct yeah, command. Right. But, uh, yeah. That's so uh, funny. That's, uh... It is It is good. These problems are slowly being worked out. But they Trickle are, they are yeah. being worked out. Um it's so crazy. It's just like thinking about the context of that. But like honestly, like the the thinking about all of the times we were like, let's crash Squirebot, and now it's like, oh well, Squirebot lasted an entire tournament. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone can spam register in in five minutes without crashing Squirebot. Like this is a huge improvement. Uh, I, I will say. At least my takeaway, uh, I really did enjoy Marchesa. I enjoyed meeting everyone mm. and uh, getting yeah. to interact with them and just having a really good time. I enjoyed the competitive spirit that was there. Like, no one, uh, like, my my introduction to CDH was with playing with power, and those guys are wonderful. And then I went to, like, some of the deck-specific Discord, and it was uh, uh, Less a very wonderful experience. Yeah, it was a very different experience and and then meeting cdh players in real life outside of the ones in my local area right uh they i would say that like i think i had generally a wonderful experience with everyone interacting with everyone uh and uh like everyone i didn't get like the the the, the judgmental dismissiveness of like oh you're you're playing bad heliod or something like that and everyone just seemed to be very respectful. Now I don't know what they said behind closed doors, but you know, uh, in general, it was it was it was very good, and uh, I liked the, the the healthy competitive atmosphere of everyone encouraging each other and supporting each other in the game and after the game. And uh, no, and it didn't seem different from my tournament upbringing. No one was trying to be like uh, uh, a rules lawyer to try and gotcha someone out of a game. Uh, and no one was trying to, uh, uh, what should I call it? To, to to just being very unpleasant or spiteful to to get someone to make a bad play mistake. Like if you ever do like one v one tournaments, there are like psychological things that people will do to you, uh, where they try to get you to to. Like I had, I recall one particular game, and I know that certain viewers are going to get this of where someone has the winning combo, and someone asks them to to demonstrate the winning combo, and the person picks up their library, and as soon as they pick up their library and flip it over, the guy who asked them to demonstrate the combo calls the judge because he's like, oh, my opponent picked up their library and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, 
stuff like that. It's it's not it's not great. Now, uh, one thing I would add as like a recommendation, and I kind of hinted this at uh, throughout uh, the talk is. I do believe that compared to 1v1 games where the audio is muted, right? It's it's easier for commentators to analyze it because and the and the communication isn't really necessary, but communication I think is so important in EDH uh and in the multiplayer context where like there's a lot of like underlying tactical strategy that's happening where you're communicating or you're telegraphing to certain opponents, right? I think it's very important actually at least for CDH coverage of events, that you that the commentators at least have an audio feed about what the players are talking about. Like the audience doesn't necessarily have to hear what the players are talking about, but if you're commentating and such, right, at least give Morgan the courtesy of knowing why Charles is attacking Cal or something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, quick, quick side note about that specifically. Um, if you are running a CEDH tournament and you are providing commentary on it and you have two people in the booth and you don't have one person listening to the game, I think you're doing it wrong. That is a an opinion and it might be a hot take here, but I think uh, the format that would make the most sense for me would be one person listening into the game, one person's your... You're either your color commentator or the person who can provide a lot of information without the direct uh, wherewithal. And then you have one person who qualifies as your fact checker, listening to the game, providing insight. And it's a format I don't see people doing, and it drives me insane. Um, And I've noticed a lot of commenters will default to like what feels like watching Baby's First Deck Tech of the decks in play and it's it's <laughs> it's i don't know oh, if know that's exactly like that's not the mean. idea there you know what i, I mean exactly like it's like and what's happening here well if you see if malcolm and glenhorn buccaneer end up and play together they will actually win the game it's like yes thank you thank you and i'm aware there are people tuning in for the first time and it's great you mentioned the combo but you don't have to be like and then what happens is they want to tutor the combo <laughs> and put it in their hand and then cast the combo is on it, the next turn. Is this, just, is this like your Christopher Walken impression or something? <laughs> uh, no, I do actually have a very good Christopher Walken impression. Wait. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> just, just wait until someone plays professional face beater and they talk about how good a professional face beater is. Uh, I, I think I'd actually I'd modify your suggestion slightly there, Ian. I think... Yeah, you actually want if you're gonna have someone listening in, I think you actually want three Mm -hmm. people in the booth because Mm -hmm. having done it myself now, admittedly, uh, with with all the love in the world for Ian of the Mystic Remoras, um, when when I did commentary with him, uh, I was also having to sort of provide a lot of the talking. Um, well, and I, I chose, it was just my idea. I was like, I'm going to listen in so I can get this information. And it was helpful, but like, it's hard to listen to a four person conversation while carrying on a conversation. So my recommendation would be have two people who can sort of carry the discussion. The third person can chime in, you know, whenever they want, not like you're not allowed to say anything unless you're telling us what the pod was saying, but someone who has that freedom to focus a little bit more on listening into what the players are saying and providing the relevant context without feeling like they have to be, you know, 
carrying the discussion. But yeah, that would I, be I do perfect, think that would yeah, actually be a, a, a good way to do things moving forward because... Especially like, if you have... Yeah, especially if you have like these two commentators and they're like, I don't understand this play. Why is so-and-so doing yeah. this? And they can immediately just ask yeah. like the third person like hey did this person say mm-hmm. anything or did someone say something yeah. in the game it's like why actually yes and it's like oh that totally makes sense now <laughs> i yeah to be fair i also have many opinions on the way commentary is run in cedh at the current moment and it's tough because i also like playing in tournaments so it's really hard to go nut up or shut up about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if i'm also participating in the tournament yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, i'd love to do commentary but also like i want to play in the tournament so it's yeah. kind of a problem yeah. You need to just yeah. stop winning and just scrub out so you can just do commentary. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh, so yeah. what I've been doing this whole time. <laughs> uh, I, your, your, your tournament performance speaks for itself, I think. Right. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of people really overestimate me as a player. And I, I, I don't know. I'm fine. You certainly have uh, a list of results to back it up. For sure, for sure. Uh, which, <laughs> and, and I think also people like people go crazy over you know single tournament wins. And I've said this uh, in a few different times in a few different places. I think actually what's much more impressive is like the consistent top sixteens, the, consi- yeah, the consistent yeah. top fours. Like anyone can lose mm-hmm. or win a game, right? It's like getting to yeah. that finals pod consistently is a lot harder mm-hmm. than like winning that finals it's, pod once you're there or you could it's so play perfectly because, and just like oh that person drew the yeah. nuts like it happens mm-hmm. you know some of the best players i know people don't know who they are because they like won a tournament and then like top forward and then like top 16 the past six tournaments but everyone's just like oh yeah I don't know, who, who are they because no, <laughs> really... it's, it's a weird yeah. coverage format it is it is really as someone who does top four videos on this channel right like it, it is as much as i would love to cover the top 16 of every tournament it's exhausting covering 16 like take covering four decks takes me like 40 minutes because i actually want to give real analysis right so being able to be like all right and now this is a four-hour video for every tournament uh i can't even get through it so good luck to you right <laughs> like that's not Just do a four that's nothing right? <laughs> yeah right <laughs> there's all your I'll content do 42 oh, yeah. i'll do 42 separate videos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one for one for each deck and one for each card in the deck, sure. I mean, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Like if anyone ever wants to look up these players, uh there there's there's quite a few that like run in my mind that have been in like top sixteen showings and stuff like that. I mean people often talk about like Michael Levine. Uh yeah, wish you were here, Michael. But yeah, like Michael Levine has also uh top four, I think like twice, uh or uh at least like three times maybe but he's also top 16 several times as well right mm-hmm. and and so like you, you but like i think his name pops up a lot more often because he's playing heliopolista and especially yeah. during a time when like there was no favored mono white deck mm-hmm. and michael levine was just proving people wrong uh about yeah. that with his performance and so uh michael levine stands <laughs> out in top 16 showings because he's just piloting yeah. such a weird deck. Yeah. But, but the other showers that, that show up in top 16, mm-hmm. they are, this ain't their first rodeo, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, yeah, I think that that should be something that people should be making note of. Um, when they look at yep. tournament results, look at the top 16 players and then look at them again in other tournaments. 
I I also think what we really also undersell with Michael's career is that he top 16 with Lynn Civy and nothing else fucking matters. <laughs> <laughs> like that's to me that's all that's all that matters about Michael's performances. <laughs> isn't this like isn't that almost like uh kind of backhanded? It's like saying like Ryan seven owed with Magda or like I went to top four with the old Heliod. <laughs> But it is, it is though. Yeah. Like it's, it's still like, like I, I hate to be like that, but like it's, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charles. Even I, I'm an established player. There are many things I had to go back and question with your performance during that tournament, right? So like it's, it, it's good that these things happen. Right? Mm-hmm. It is good that Michael top his team with Lynn Civy because, and then continue to have good results, right? It, it isn't a fluke when someone does it over and over again. If someone brings a jank ass deck and then tops, and then you never he- see or hear from this person again. Yeah, the, that's things speaking for themselves, right? But if someone's there all the time putting up results and, and they don't even have top 16, if they are like within the top 20, a couple breakers away every single time, it's like that is a person who is important to know about in these tournament yes, scenes, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, in, in that sense, yeah, it's 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 definitely important. Uh, I think yeah. Michael's fundamentals are very, very strong. Uh, yes. Yeah. And. Uh, other credible players like Rebel. Uh, I mean, everybody knows mm-hmm. Rebel at this point. <laughs> yeah, Rebel doesn't let anyone not know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and there's also you, right? And uh, yeah, and, and then there's you know this guy over here named <laughs> Spleenface, right? It, like fundamentals, I think uh, don't get emphasized enough. And uh, some people, I think, are really into like the big flashy stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. when yeah. uh it, it could definitely be the players who definitely know their fundamentals and know their stuff I, yeah. like we weren't recorded saying this but like earlier before we we, we start recording the, the ryan guy the the magda player really knows mm-hmm. his stuff uh and, yeah. and if anyone yeah. thinks that he got lucky because people didn't know how magda worked absolutely yeah exactly yeah, yeah. no i uh i've i've yeah, so we said this all off mic, but I've been talking to them specifically because of the MLC and and Learning Magda, one super nice person. Um, and the whole time, super humble, mm-hmm. and the play was just so specific and tight and just very clean and efficient. So yeah, Magda did get a couple wins there, especially in the top four. Right, and that's the that's the tough part about that whole thing is that it, it, it's one match that actually was caught on camera was due to a mistake mm-hmm. victory, right? But <laughs> now, uh, actually having to also win several other rounds, spoken to to him that actually happened a lot. Apparently, uh, yeah. like yeah. like there was uh, you know one I knew about was uh, someone sacrificed an opposition agent to their diabolic mm-hmm. intent uh, and then died before that diabolic intent resolved. And there yeah, was some other some other stuff it. like that. But obviously, like not to take away anything from him because having spoken with him, he really really knows his stuff and you know played it well and and yeah he spoke about like you know the way he played those games was you know setting himself up so that as soon as the stacks pieces yep. went away you know he could do what he needed to do uh yeah. and that you know eventually you know paid paid off for him even if not necessarily like the, the way you might have initially expected Yes. Yes. I've played. Uh, it's also very funny because I I was talking to him after the tournament recently and <laughs> talking about how he's like, oh yeah, my local meta, they know how Magda works. I 
I didn't expect to win with the combo. I was going to go with like the Hellkite backup plan. <laughs> He's like, but then I kept winning with the combo, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, this this was the same thing with Al, uh, but you know, there there were there were rumors sprinkled around about Al, and I was like, I'm not going to pilot this deck now. Uh, but it was also like the, the the technical logistics of getting a combo deck to work. And, and I've talked about this with some of the players in the MLC because we're playing by comp REL rules. Please do not screw up your combo. It would be very embarrassing if you did. Uh, like, you know, I, I, at game one, I had a Cody player. No discredit to him. I think he's he's a pretty good player. It's just unfortunate that he played a Time Twister after he had Nas with, like, red mana floating into my Spirit of the Labyrinth. And I'm just like, Rip. well, there goes your hand and your turn. And you're also at three life. <laughs> and, and it's my yeah. turn, and I have a Spirit of the Labyrinth in play, and you have no blockers. But, like, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of credit to, to someone who can pilot a combo deck very, very cleanly it, under, like, the pressure of comp REL rules uh, and not screw it mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to play through his own stacks of fets, too, right? Because the, the game where he wins with uh someone sacrificing the opposition agent he won while there's a defense grid in play on that player's turn so he Mm -hmm, he had mm -hmm. to basically figure out the line and do it while also being handicapped by his own stacks pieces doing so and that's a that's not an easy thing to do um and having played him after we after our top four game and having played with him multiple times uh it is very evident about how skilled he is as a player, even without other players like messing up. Uh, like, I've yeah, he 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 he's very good. I'm not even going to talk about mm-hmm. like who who won those games because I feel like that 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 that's very irrelevant, and I will keep that between Ryan and myself because we now have like a rivalry. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan is threatening to run anarchy against me, by the way. Right? He's like, I cannot stop you, and I need to start running tech against you. And I was like, well, I, this- I, may, I may have put him on or back on to uh, Spine of Ishsa, so, so sorry if okay. that uh, comes yeah. your way. Um, it makes me feel any better. He was already thinking about uh, it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I think a, a, good, a good takeaway for this is... Uh, if you want to have success in tournament, definitely the fundamentals are important. I think, you know, CDH is often like, it's a very flashy format. Um, and sometimes it will be forgiving of like minor play mistakes or, or sequencing errors. But also that is, you know, that can very much be the thing that like makes the difference between, uh, you know, winning and losing. And, uh, you know, it's it's definitely something you should you should take the time to get really comfortable with um yeah if you want to if you want to be doing well particularly in tournaments mm-hmm. all right uh anything else anyone wants to say before we close this out no just do the outro morgan uh, you know. all right uh well that about wraps things up for us here today just a quick reminder that you can follow us on twitter at the sculpty or sorry, at sculpty boys or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below uh, we also want to give extra thanks to a few of our patrons with a special shout out to Justin, Michael Levine, CZ, David Snavely, Dionikes, Jason Bielk, Matt Benner, and Senor Koopa. 
If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com slash themindsculptors or check out the link in the description. Thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors. See you next time. I'm in line with the stars, I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides, like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad, let up ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe, kinda hard to describe. I'm in between, I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I never so packed for the stack, never lied on the rap, got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen do that I survived doing 80 to the house Then I hit it to the sky, changed haters on a tirade Talking to the crib and the face be still Like I hate stuff fade We all want the same We all want a meal in the safe I want to live like I'm trying to be enlightened Trail spill from my lips, feel big from the bit Take a sip till I pass out Try and get grip, but it don't make sense Cause you can lose life on this fast route Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow I might flip that to the glass house I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase just wanna eat, save a spot at the table Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map Long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap Five hour flights, couple nights at the flat To be real, couldn't see me making moves while I'm at I'm still on the grind, limit time when I chat I'm burning down sage, keep the demons away When I write it, give a piece of myself to the page I don't do it for the praise, love, that's just how I'm made the in the glass <laughs> in the mirror yeah. Do it at me, old man, trying to pass in the fear You're the first one to talk, but the last one to hear Eyes blurry, but I couldn't see the ass